it was always part of the plan to put a brewery in, but for many years it, it was just a plan. It's 100% acquisition of Green Beacon. No, we had a chat with everybody. Anyone would have seen this coming a mile away. It's the passion and the, the dedication to beer and brewing. Oh, yeah. That's super simple and direct question. It's always fun to get to speak about beer. And that's just what we're here to do, talk about beer. This week with Charlie Hodgson from Brisbane's Helios Brewing. I do worry on occasion that being based in Queensland, it gives me a fear of being seen as being Brisbane-centric. And so some of the breweries and brewers local to us maybe don't get the love that they deserve. And this conversation does nothing to allay that fear. It is a cracker. Having been brewing for 15 years, Charlie is a relative veteran in the craft brewing industry. He has an interesting background having first worked in the forestry and mining industries before working in the wine industry. His start in brewing was in Western Australia at Gage Roads in its early days, before moving on to Mash Brewing, where he collected a number of gold medals and trophies, most notably Champion Australian Beer at the 2014 Awards for his Copycat American IPA. He moved across the country to help found Brisbane's Helios Brewing in 2017, and there he's been quietly carving out a niche in the otherwise boisterous Brisbane scene. All of this gives Charlie an interesting perspective into the industry, and this is a fascinating chat. But I'm also very conscious that many of the chats that we have on Beer as a Conversation seem to come back to the rapidly emerging and changing beer styles, and questions their long-term value to the industry and to the beer market. Having been around and reported on the Australian beer scene for almost 20 years, there is always the fear, one that you often hear us express as a bit of a joke, but it's a very real fear, that probing the beer styles and questioning their context amidst the growth of the idea of craft beer risks us becoming a little bit irrelevant in the contemporary beer scene. I guess the risk is that we're yesterday's bands complaining about today's music being too loud and that the kids can't play their instruments. But then I have a chat with someone like Charlie who distills down some of the issues that we have been grappling with and states them very simply. I can't remember a podcast with more quotable quotes than this one. I think I can say for Charlie, and I certainly say for myself out of that, that the discussion about styles is one of ideas and it's not of absolutes. It's looking for the meaning in modern craft beer. It's a fascinating chat that probes at where is the substance amidst the rapid change in consumer hype that drives much of what we're seeing in the industry at the moment. No doubt it's a chat that will provoke quite a few thoughts, which is great. And as always, we'd love to hear what you think. Enjoy my conversation with Charlie Hodgson from Helios Brewing. Charlie Hodgson, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thank you. Matt, I... I this is one of those chats that, you know, I, I really neglect being somebody who's based in Brisbane, really neglect my own backyard. And it's a chat that I would have longed to have had, um, but you sort of make sure that everywhere else gets the love. So I'm very pleased that we've had the chance to uh, to have a chat uh, you know, and, and talk. So maybe the, the, the best way to start is tell us a little bit um, about who is Charlie Hodgson. Yeah, okay. Um, thanks for having me, first and foremost. I follow it and I'm a bit excited to be on um, Beer as a Conversation. So I've watched a lot of a lot of faces and people I look up to be on that, on, on your thread and on um, Brews News. So so I guess from, uh, I mean, I've done a lot in my life. I've um, It's been an interesting journey to get to where I am. You know, I did a lot of work, um, worked in a timber mill as a youngster for five or six years. Well, just as you embark on the story now... 
In but pardon the pun. Yeah, yeah, no, no. You, 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 you're not a young bloke. Um, I don't mean like you, Thanks, you, you yeah, look yeah. very young. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, but yeah, like uh, so many of the people that we speak to these days are clearly in their thirties. So, how do you mind telling how old you are, just so we uh, can set the bracketing for for your story? I'm 49 in a couple of days. So okay. Yeah. Yep. So I'll make a mental note to wish you a happy <laughs> birthday for 50 next year. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, We'll keep that one quiet. Yeah. Okay. But so, you, so you started in a timber mill, and so how, how was that? Like, did you leave? Did did you leave school um, not knowing what you wanted to do? Tell us. Yeah, know. absolutely. Uh, small country town in in regional South Australia, so right down the bottom near uh, Mount Gambier, I grew up in. Um, so yeah, a lot of us, you know, that was when the timber industry was still thriving. For a lot of it, went offshore, and everything got chipped and privatised. And um, so yeah, we had two massive timber mills there, and basically what a lot of us did you know it's um from where i came from we we grew up left school early ish so was it we my family or we just the, we the, the you, town really oh the town okay a, yeah, yeah yeah i mean my dad worked um in, in the in the timber mill next door but um but yeah so you know got a got a gig there and, and loved it you know spent five or six years there learned a whole heap of really cool machinery yeah i was doing all sorts of amazing stuff by the time i was 18 19 operating you know multi-million dollar machines um so that was cool and uh, then Morphed over to Western Australia, so my then partner, um, girlfriend who married and had my kids with, um, she her family were moving over to WA. So you know, being a youngster and watching what everyone does, the vicious cycle of everyone doing what they're doing until they retire, it's you know I just thought it was too good of opportunity. I've had mates that have left home and, and gone and spent time in Melbourne or Sydney and for years and loved it and ultimately morphed back pretty quickly. But um, but yes, yeah, so I thought well, I wasn't going to miss out on that opportunity and. And, and not go and have a look at it. So yeah, spent a bit of time in WA, obviously, and uh, went mining as a lot of people do. Um, got a got a gig um, in a gold mine in the Midwest um, in WA, which was which was pretty exciting as well. You know, I saw a lot of amazing places out there, and um, ended up in another big gold mine that ended up going underground. I didn't go underground, but. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so spent another. You know, by the time I was, when did I leave there? And, 2000 um, so you know I spent another five six years so probably the first 10 years of my working life was spread between timber and mining um, and then I guess yeah I guess the, the the big question where I started to move into the direction I'm coming into now I was home brewing in the late 90s when I was still mining and uh, with, with was that because you couldn't get access to a, a beer out on the mining uh, on site, or no, what, not at all. We had, had plenty of access there. <laughs> we were uh, we were in a dry camp, but um, obviously we we were monitored and needed to be be careful about consumption. But um, there's a lot of lot of big things to get run over by out there if you're not careful. So <laughs> so, so so what 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 was the um, process that attracted you to home brewing? I, I don't really know, to be honest, Matt. It's um, I just remember, you know, still going through Woolies in Geraldton, um, and and keep on seeing these Wonder home brewing kits, and I don't know, I didn't even really drink much beer then, and I just thought I just want to try it. I want to have a crack at it, and um, obviously, well, I got one for Christmas, and and here I am, um, <laughs> you know, 22, 23 years later, sitting on a on a couch in a brewery in in Brisbane. So. Um, so it was obviously extract brewing at that stage, you know, using a yeah, can, can of yep. um, dried wort. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And then, then morphed as a lot of us do into, you know, um, throwing a tea bag in there and, <laughs> and getting a cheap, um, a cheap meal and, um, you know, moving to a little bit of extract and um, mini mashing and stuff like that. And then, um, then when I was at the winery, I acquired... Uh, we used to have acquired some gear from, from, from the winery and, um, yeah, went full grain. Um, yeah, that sort of overlaps a bit there. But yeah, when I was, we were sort of we were building a house, looking to have kids. Um, and you know, I just, you know, 
I've had a fair bit of pride in what I do, you know, even though it was just a timber mill, I enjoyed what I did and, you know, I was proud to be doing what I was doing in the mining industry, even though it wasn't a high-end job. But I didn't want to just leave and just go and be a Johnny. I didn't want to go and staple pallets. I didn't want to assemble mattresses. I didn't want to go and do a job that I hated and, and again, get caught up on that 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 spinning wheel of, of life and then just go, shit, I'm 60. Um, I hated all of that, uh, my working life. So... Um, Lo and behold, his job came up at Horton Wines in the Swan Valley, um, WA's oldest and, um, and largest winery. So um, I, I didn't know anything about wine. I literally had no idea what I was going to walk into. But um, got a job there as a cellar hand, vintage cellar hand. And, um, you know, the, the brief to me was basically, um, you know, we'll see how you go over vintage. We'll give you four or five months because we, we did one of the longest vintages in, in probably in Australia because, you know, we, we pulled fruit from Gingin an hour north of Perth and went down as far as the Great Southern, you know, Franklin River. And um, so we had morphing. We were taking reds in from up north. We were right. taking whites in from down south. So uh, we quite often did a 12-week vintage there. But um, but, I, but I guess I did okay because I stayed there for six years as well. <laughs> so I guess my first vintage was pretty good. But um, So what was the attraction? So, had you formed the view by this stage that you wanted to do something in the fermentation industry? Yeah, yeah, basically. Um, you know, it was definitely looked at as a means to an end and, and a journey, part of a stepping stone to get into brewing. Um, you know, I wasn't bull at a gate. I just thought, you know, I'll have a crack at this and see how it goes. And, um, yeah, learnt learned so much there. Like, mm. learned a crazy amount and it's no... And I've chatted with with Aaron, um, Aaron Heary, obviously a lot of times. Gauge where you gauge, ended yeah, up and yep, yeah. or ended up post Hortons, but um, you know my cellar background at the winery, you know, helped me no end. You know, I did everything basically from unloading trucks, training crusher operators, pressing um, white and red fermentation. Yeah, learnt centrifuges, learnt membrane filters, cartridge filters. Um, yeah, big earth filters there as well. Did a lot of my work outside of vintage on. Um, yeah, in the barrel, in the barrel hall, I guess. Um, so, yeah, racking reds um, and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, vintage was generally training crusher operators, and then, then sort of morphing into post white wine fermentation, like fusing, fusing killed white ferments, and um, then I'd sort of morph into putting whites, white ferments to oak, and then I'd sort of move back into the barrel shed, into my little dingy den of a few hundred barrels, and yeah, and just plod around on the forklift racking reds all for the rest of the year. What was it about? home brewing that made you think this, you know not something that you just want to do to while away weekends and you know exercise a creative muscle but made you think that this is something that i want to do day in and day out um you know for 20 odd years creativity um I, I love to create and that's one of the things i'm most passionate about why what i still do now you know it's um i still you know talk to a lot of people you know i've been lucky enough to have several groups of students come through since i've been here in the last 12 months or so and um, and I keep reiterating to them, you know, I still get excited when I smell a mash tun, you know, I still, it still reminds me of full grain brewing, you know, when my kids were probably two and three and um, that's, that's where I go when I, when I mash in. So uh, I, I guess it's that and pride, um, pride in, in, in what I do and, um, you know, not many people or probably lots of people are doing what I do now because the industry is growing so, so quickly, but, um, you know, not many people get to do what I do and, and it's always an interesting conversation starter that, oh, what do you, you know, when you go into a foreign group of people that don't know you and they go, what are you doing? I'm a brewer. And they're like, brew what? And I was like, what do you mean brew what? <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm a beer brewer. And then, boom, off it goes, you know, 20 questions plus. So, um, 
you know, that that's always good fun, but I, I, I guess creativity and, and pride, um, you know, and going back to what I said when I left the mines, you know, I didn't, I didn't just want to go to a job with a whole heap of people that were just, um, you know, worked with an old cobbler, um, Goodsy at the winery and Goodsy was a lovely old bloke, but, you know, you'd come in in the morning and say, hey, Goodsy, how you going? And he'd like, oh, Charlie, you know, one step closer to the grave, mate. <laughs> I'd go, come on, man, you've, you've only just walked in the door. It's like, Well, but I mean, that's funny because when I describe what I do, you know, um, I, I write about beer for a living. I get sent beer, I drink beer, you know, and, and, and it's all a job. And for a lot of people, they say, you're, you're the luckiest bloke. And, you know, I'd be lying if I said that, when I was first, you know, blogging about, you know, 20 years ago when I was just penning lines because it was something cool, that that wasn't awesome to get sent free beer. But yep. when Comes you... Comes setbacks, as we've already discussed off mic, but um, yeah, we'll... Yeah, but, well, we'll, we'll talk about yep. that. But, um, you know, when you've got to turn up every day, um, you know, the days you don't feel like talking about beer, writing about beer, sampling beer, interviewing people, the gr- and then you've got to manage staff and you've got all of the same problems that you would have in any other thing that it is a job but there's something about it that i just love and you know so you know it, every day we are one step closer to our eventual, eventual <laughs> de- demise and yeah, i guess yeah. the difference is that i find that i'm not conscious of that like i you know having worked it's in not government, a thought set, it's not a thought process when you get to work is it yeah so, well uh, it, you know i think well, what else would i what else would i be doing when yeah. i work for government you know like you're very conscious that every day yeah um is just another day yeah um and and that's something i love about it is, is it the same with brewing for you yeah absolutely and i mean it's it's a pretty special industry as well you know i've sort of shielded myself a bit from the industry in wa you know i'm probably better known amongst the industry here and have um, mingled a lot more and made more of an effort. I guess it's one of the, you know, I'm not young. Um, and, and <laughs> Sorry I'm to the, point that yeah. out. I didn't mean to. I, I hear all right, mate. It's, um, I'm not the most social person on the planet, but, you know, when I came here, I wanted to make more of an effort. And, and, and again, that'll tie in with, with later conversations, I guess, as to why I'm here. But, um, you know, you, you work with a lot of people that are excited about what they do as well. And it's a really cool industry to be in. And, uh, I've been really well received here, and um, yeah, I just it's I like what I do, um, really. So you spent six years with uh, Horton um, Winery. Yes, yep. Did a job come up at Gage um, that that you sort of thought I'll give that a crack, or how how did that come about? I found about it out of by default, um, and I probably would have stayed in wine longer, to be honest. If if um, I don't know how many winemakers listen to your podcast, <laughs> but if winemakers weren't such a strange breed, but. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we, um, that, that's definitely another conversation for another day. But um, but yeah, old Bevos, um, Bevo worked at the old Swambury in, in Canningvale. Um, so Bevos said to me one day in, he, in his gravelly old voice, hey boy, you know, there's a, there's a job come up at Gage Roads. And, um, and I went, oh shit. And I went, oh, all right, cool, I'll have a look at it. And then um, sent off an application. And then, um, yeah, within 24 hours, big Billy Hodemaker gave, gave me a call and um, I had an interview set up and, yeah, the ball rolled very quickly. You met, obviously, Aaron and uh, Peter Nolan, who did the start-up with Peter and, and John and Bill and um, and Aaron, obviously. So, um, yeah, you know, that was that was very late in that vintage in 06 and, you know, I actually missed a vintage party to, to start work at Gage and which I regret deeply now because I was actually sitting on the filler poking poking caps down the, down the <laughs> cap track now instead of being out having a good time celebrating the end of vintage. But, um, but yeah, so it was, it was purely by chance really that that came up and, um, and that's, you know, I was alerted to it. And 
But yeah, I wasn't really sure about it. I mean, I'd I'd interviewed not long before that with with Brad Cox at Mash, you know, for the startup gig yep. there, and um, I was offered that. Uh, I, I didn't. What was your level of experience by this stage? You know, if you're sort of wine. applying for start- wine so, so you made brewing. wine and home brewing. Yep. So, you know, was it easy to get a job? You know, as as a brewer without you know commercial brewing experience that you see in applications, you know, or, or job ads these days. Yeah, the industry. I mean, you know, as well as anyone, you know how fast the industry is morphing. Um, but yeah, it wasn't too bad then. And again, my cellar, my cellar experience counted for a lot. Um, and I could, I had, I made a fairly good beer as well. I had a little bit of success at amateur level. So, um, so yeah. And you know, I'd sort of gone out and I've done what a lot of people here have done. You know, I know a lot of a lot of homebrewers here that come in, introduce themselves, and and you know, it's because of Brendan Varis, You know, that I give so much of my time so freely. You know, because I owe that man. You know, a horrendous amount for freeing himself up, and I was still a a bloke working at a winery that would bring in his beer to taste and he would he would make time um, for me. So I know and love Brendan to bits. But um, so and him and obviously Brad, you know, were talking and, you know, because Brad was setting up in, you know, around the corner really in the valley. And um, so, yeah, I think Brendan probably had a little bit to do with me getting that initial interview. Yeah, and I turned that down. You know, I was making better money at the winery um, with less, far less stress than starting up a brewery unskilled. <laughs> um, so I, I just didn't think I was in the position to start that up. And and, and Dan Turley, you know, we all know Dan took on the first five or six years there and that was the right decision for both of us. You know, Dan mm. did a great job there and, and put MASH on the map. And, and I did, um, it was probably around then I did my training through... Um, my GCBP with uh, the Institute of Brewing Distilling, um, as most of us do from yep. the West. Um, so yeah, I got that under my belt just. Uh, I think I probably had the skinniest pass grade um, <laughs> going around. There's two things out of that I'd, I'd like to ask, just to step back. And you do raise an interesting point that we do see a lot of breweries where people haven't worked, where the, where the brewer hasn't worked under uh, senior brewer to sort of learn, you know, to, to um, learn process and, and, and all of those non-direct brewing or you know making beer skills but that are management of a, of a brewery that yep. I would imagine stepping into a role where you have to invent your own process without experience and it would be incredibly stressful yeah I'd say um yeah I, I probably could have done it you know I probably could have mm. showed a little bit more faith in myself there but you know again it was yeah, there was a few reasons. Certainly, a couple I touched on, and I just didn't feel like I was ready to go in and do that commercially. I was a bit, a bit scared, you know, of taking that on. I would have liked to have gone in and worked under someone, and and um, as much as I love Brendan, he didn't love me as much to give me a start up <laughs> out at Feral. But um, but yeah, no, that's um, yeah, it it was difficult back then, and I think um, you know, as a uh, Aaron Heary, you know, says to me a lot. You know, I actually took some of my beer to the interview. Take it or leave it was take it or leave it beer for him, but um, he said that was one of the things. That, and there, he said it was down to two of us, and I got a pretty firm idea. He's never clarified who the other one was, but I got a pretty clear idea who the other one was. And you know, it's still, I'm pretty chuffed I got that gig when I did. But Aaron said, you know, this guy's got the balls to bring in bring in his own product to to an interview. And um, so yeah, and the, yeah, the rest is history, I guess. There's a tip for uh, our aspiring brewer listeners. Yeah, um, I've, yeah, I drink. Um, yeah, Adzi, um, Adam Shell has just come on as a brand ambassador here. You know, I've been talking to Adzi, you know, since we were open basically, and now he's got a job here. And I'll give my time as much as I can. Um, you know, again, based on on what Brendan did for me, I feel like, um, you know, now once I got familiar with the process, and you know, now I look back at those days sitting out the front of his brewery, and 
um, out there in the valley, you know, and it's like, well, I know that man was brewing then and he probably had a shitload on his plate, but he always made time for me. And, um, and you know, and then fast forward what, another 10 years, no, eight years, 2014, we won champion Australian beer. You know, he was the first guy yep. at the stage when I came off. So gave me the biggest bear hug I've ever had. So, you know, that's, that was that was pretty special. So and, and we'll, we'll we'll talk about that because um, you you won champion beer. But the the other thing that you uh, raised just before was the challenge of doing the IBD qualification. And uh, you know, for somebody who left school, did you did you go through matriculation or did you go through? A I senior didn't quite or? get to the end of year twelve, yeah, I, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, no, and that's what I was asking. How did you find it going back and studying what is fairly complex chemistry as part of the the IBD certificate? Yeah, look, I I struggled, absolutely struggled. You know, studying is not my um, strong point for at all. And the IBD is basically set up, or I feel that the IBD is set up, um, obviously in the UK, to train guys like Adzi that I've got in now and got under my wing and, and Reese who I had before Christmas, you know, that, that are in the door and can access the skill sets to, to go on and do that. So, yeah, uh, you know, obviously now Hendo and those guys are running out through TAFE and, um, Calibre have run a couple of groups through here of students but you know so there's a little bit more and obviously the, the Ballarat course but um, yeah I, I struggled basically um, I remember talking to Roger Bustle he was again you know another indus- uh, legend of the industry, industry you know legend, yeah. um, I was talking to him about it afterwards because I lent on him a little bit for some study material and 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 I remember him saying to his wife, he's like, this guy's disappointed because he only got like 52 or 53% or something. And, he, and he's like, man, you should be chuffed. You know, you don't even, you don't even work in the brewery, you know, you, and you got through that. So, yeah, for me, it was difficult, you know, for someone that's got studying and, and uni skills and all that sort of stuff. I think they'd get through it okay. Yeah. So, um, so, so you started at Gage. You, you yep. were ballsy enough to take your uh, um, home brew. I think probably a Vienna or a Munich lager <laughs> for, for, um, yeah, for memory, but yes. But that must have been so. When was that? That was two thousand and six. Six. Yep. Um, so Gage was only a year or two old. Um, yeah. Well, they, they were only you know, very uh, early, uh, early days of Gage. What was it like working f- for them? And there, there still weren't many breweries around. No, there wasn't. So um, you know, it was a very different beast, obviously, what it is now. Um, you know, I like to give Aaron Aaron shit when I see him now that he still probably knew how to run the brewery back <laughs> in those days. But um, <laughs> but. Um, yeah, he'll probably punch me when he sees me next. But um, but yeah, Aaron was still the head brewer, very much on the tools then, and myself and, and Josh Blythe. Um, JB basically trained me up with Aaron as well, and, and Josh worked at, um, obviously spent a lot more years at Gage and um, went over to the UK. I can't remember who he brewed with, someone down south and has now been in the Creatures system, is it? Creatures in Geelong and has been there for a long time. So, um, But yeah, there was only myself and JB on the tools and, and Aaron cracking the whip um, behind us. Um yeah, and then we morphed pretty quickly. Um, Big Mikey Capaldo was one of the first guys we brought through. And, um, yeah, it's pretty chuffed to see how he turned out, uh, the big unit. So It has been such a training ground. Mm. You know, we, we hear you know, Little Creatures and Gage yep. are two of the breweries that have really churned out a lot of you know, very skilled brewers. Um, was it that skilled, you know... LC worked with Lockie at Gage as well yeah, for a number yeah, Lock- of years. Lockie yep. Brothers, yeah. Yep. So, um, you know, was it some really skilled young brewers? You know, they were very good at identifying talent, or were they very good at training talent? Um, it's a hard question to answer, really. I, I mean, we had a lot of people go through the doors. Unfortunately, we turned over a lot of staff because it was sort of once those sort of first two or three years more through, you know, it became quite a brutal environment. And I hope they don't mind me saying that on record, but. 
it was a difficult environment to survive in, and, and I often... Because it was just shift work, wasn't it? Like it was. We certainly morphed into 24-7 and um, working fireys rosters for quite a while, you know, with two or three brewers a shift. And, um, yeah, I had some great guys. on. You know, Raoul, um, Raoul Wilson, who's, at, you know, it's, um, he's gone back to Tassie and is at Moo Brew now. Brendan O'Sullivan was a guy on my yeah. crew as well. Um, yeah, so, yeah, it was quite a brutal environment, and I often joke post you know you could see guys come in thinking they were going to walk into a, a brewer's gig and you know hang around drink beers and um you know and be involved in all sorts and you know and i could you could see you know in people's eyes you know i knew i could break them physically and mentally in, inside a month and they wouldn't last six months you know they just weren't prepared for what we had to make them do and it certainly tested a lot of us as well so um but you, yeah you, you never want to see anybody understand Dress, you know, emotionally or mentally, or you know, in, in certainly in a work capacity. But were, were there benefits in that approach? In that, a lot of people do approach. You know, I, I pick up that a lot of people enter the industry thinking it's just going to be, you know, making like a, a day of homebrew where you've got a beer in your hand, you're sort of putting a, a bit of grain through the thing and knock off with the beer, and yeah. it's and then you get to share it with a lovable band, bunch of uh, regulars. Yep when it's, it's 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 a factory job in a lot of ways absolutely um absolutely you need to be able to work very efficiently you need to be very quick you need to be able to think quickly you need to be able to problem solve um and you needed a huge work ethic you know and, and of all the guys and this is no disrespect to a lot of the other ones that went through and didn't last um you know it's, some, it's just not something for some people and, mm. i couldn't um, do it i completely hands it it's one of the reasons why we've never been a brewer <laughs> and i don't like cleaning yeah well yeah we do a lot of that um but yeah you know there was probably five or six guys there that that stood out to me that were no surprise there were lockie's obviously one of them rouse another one um there's a few others that are we've lost to the industry now aaron davey and a few other guys but um but yeah there was just a few that you know had that magic mix or blend you know that were that was smart. Or well, they're probably good blokes. Firstly, they were good blokes. So they were they were um, they weren't arrogant. They weren't rude. They weren't know-it-alls. Um, they respected what you're being taught. Um, like I did with Aaron. You know, I still teach a lot of things what Aaron taught me, and still regurgitate a lot of his one-liners. Um, give, um, give us one. Just uh, what, what's. Um, uh, I guess a Finnish beer is, is, is like a human, you know, they need to have a shit once a day as well. That's one of Aaron's good ones. And uh, how does that work? In? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to understand that I'm one. Just yeasting off. Just oh, yeasting right, off okay. post-ferment, you know, right, leaving okay. it on um, an old yeast. Another one is brewers live and die by the clock. Um, so, you know, and we do, you know, I, I drum it into everyone that I train, you know, you work to the minutes and, you know, I love being here. I love being here at Helios, but... Um, you know, I don't want to be here for 10 hours if I can only be here for seven. So, yep. um, and that's one of the things I learnt in production brewing. And, and I get obviously my background in timber and, and mining as well. So I've got a very hefty production background. But, um, but yeah, good bloke. Um, yeah, solid work ethic, you know, problem solving abilities, um, et cetera, et cetera. So how long were you with Gage in, in, um, in total? Uh, another five or six years. I seem to run on five or six year timelines, it seems. Yeah, so, so I was there for a while and um, obviously, you know, we grew exponentially, you know, I remember one of the big numbers I quote to a lot of people, you know, I remember um, we were, I think we were producing about 40,000, 50,000 cases a year for the first two or three years there and, you know, and then morphed pretty quickly in an 18-month period to about a million, you know, we're back in a million cases when I left and, um, you know, which is no no mean feat and, and something I'm still proud of, you know, I still enjoy the Gage brand and wish them every success mm. and, um, you know, I was stoked to see Little Dove win, win champion Australian beer. Um, 
after me, just just for the record. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, no, I was stoked to see him have that success, and you know, I was, I was stoked to see him pick up the the contract to be a contract at Optus, and um, you know, I still got a lot yeah. of love for for the Gage family. And look, we, we won't dwell too much on the, the the business of Gage, although there's a lot of questions I'd like, like to ask, but I'll refer everyone back to the chat that I did with Aaron and uh, yep. John probably 18 months ago. We'll yeah, link cool. to that in the show notes. But what what was it um, that, that saw you leave? Because then you moved to, to MASH where you could have started. Yes, yeah. Um, you know, I guess we were all getting to... Dan had get, was getting to the point where he wanted to move on. And um, like I said, obviously I'd met Brad and met him from around the traps and, you know, at industry gigs and, and he was obviously keen to employ me once. So he started chasing me up, knocking on my door, ringing my phone. Uh, um, and I thought, well, you know, it's... You know, these opportunities don't come up a lot. Um, you know, I needed to back myself. I knew I had the skill set um, from production brewing basis and I was pretty confident I could design a pretty solid beer as well. And um, so, yeah, I just, yeah, it's like, well, if you don't take it now, you know, when's the next one going to come up? There still wasn't a lot of breweries back around that time in, in Perth. It was a greater Perth area. So, um, yeah, yeah, started there in November 2011. Um, yeah, walked into an empty cool room. It's like, great, thanks, boys. Um, well, you better get cracking. Um, so, yeah, Jackson Purser was there now. I don't know if you know Jackson, but he's um, he's done great things back in the West. And, uh, yeah, has, there's so many people. It's such a big family tree. You know, he's a, he's a brewer for Pirate Life in Perth now. So well, okay. Jackson's done exceptional things I, I'd, for I'd love to do a family tree of breweries and who's worked with who mm. where. And uh, things. So, so that'll, extensive, that, yeah. That, that, that'll be a, a project uh, <laughs> that we can do. But let's. Um, what was it like stepping into your own show or a show that you were, you know, not working for a big production brewery but something that was a little bit more into the craft space where you had a, a, a little production mat. brewery because <laughs> it, it was i mean i remember um, going to mash again it was probably the first time i went to feral which would have been early or mid 2000s when dan was there oh yeah yeah um and uh yeah it was a small little tight um not unlike the one that we're in yeah, now yeah yeah it's uh four spaces not a lot bigger um i mean we brad wanted to grow the brand as well you know he was at a point where he wanted to grow and dan was sort of wanted to move elsewhere so um so you know obviously my background with with gauge um was something that that i could bring to the party um you know we started off very small we weren't packing very much at all but you know it was one of the you know we doubled packaging production year on year for the five or six years that i was there and um yeah that was we you know we we're all pretty proud of that again it turned into a pretty brutal slog in the end i had to work my boys pretty hard i worked myself pretty hard um i didn't spend a lot of time on the tools to be honest but um, you know, I had some really good eggs that came through there that are doing, you know, fantastically well for themselves. But yeah, it, it got pretty brutal as well, but exciting in the in the outset to, you know, to do what I wanted to do, to, you know, to get into that gig where I could, you know, start designing beers and, you know, and, and see whether I was going to survive in this industry and make a name for myself and people, you know, to go, shit, holy <laughs> shit, you know, I've just had some beers from Ash, you know, they're awesome and, and you know, and, and morphing down the track, I guess, a little bit, you know, to hear... You know things things that stand out in my mind. You know, are, are expat English people, or um, you know people that have travelled the country um, from England, and you know have, have said they've been to the sale and anchor and had, you know, challenge our English IPA on hand pump, and they said that's they said they were just like being at home. They said they haven't drank a better English beer in Australia than that, and so. And to, to do that, you know, and obviously the sale and anchor is, you know, is one of the big starters, I guess, you know, that, that early, you know, Peter and Peter Nolan and um, big Billy Odemaker were brewing there back in the day. So, um, you know, to have that feedback and have my beers, you know, in the sale and anchor is just incredibly humbling and still, 
such a humbling experience. In 2014, so a couple of years after you'd been there, yep. um, the, the brewery took home champion beer at the AIBA, which would have been a huge, you know, again, it's, is, is it nicer to have someone from the UK say that you, it's the best, you know, on par with any English beer that they've had, or is it a, a trophy at the AIBA that really makes it all worthwhile? They're, they're, or, probably, or pretty, they just... they're pretty hard to split, to be honest. You know, obviously that, not a lot of people can win that, you know, so it's um, to have that under my belt. Unfortunately, it's getting further behind me now every, <laughs> every year, but um, it's it's one of those stories, isn't it? The older I get, the better I was. Um, I'm certainly <laughs> certainly in that bracket, but, um, but yeah, you know, they're, they're, they are up there. Um, you know, 2014 was a massive year for us. We, we just went bonkers um, and won everything that we entered, you know. We won more golds than I can remember for more different styles and um, yeah, it was a bit of a rags to riches for us, really. You know, I didn't really want to make an American IPA. You know, we're, um, you know, I'm very, and we, I'm still doing that now. I want to tread my own path. I don't, I don't like following trends at all, um, especially in the modern era. Um, yeah, I'll try not to get too um, animated about that. But um, so we, we, we thought, screw it. You know, we've got to make, we have to compete um, on on this stage. So that was literally the first American IPA designed and brewed. And that was the first tank that went to IBA that won it. So, um, and I owe Eddie, you know, a lot so for So beginner's luck is what you're saying? Well, <laughs> I wouldn't quite go that far. But, or, or, um, yeah. or, or great skills applied to a new project. Yeah, yep. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just put, put a nice beer together, obviously. But, you know, Eddie as well. I'm probably name dropping a lot today. But, um, but you know, Eddie's um, the head brewer at Nowhere Man. You know, Eddie went from, I, I poached him from Gage, worked with him at Gage. He came and worked with me for MASH. So he was with us through all those glory years and, Went to Creatures in Frio for a while and now he's brewing at Nowhere Man back there. But, you know, Eddie called me. I was actually on holidays when he was dry hopping the tank and he said, oh, man, he said, I don't think we've got what we need out of this dry hopping edition. So we we had a bit of a chat, spitballed some things, ended up throwing another round of dry hops at it and, and then, yeah, yeah that's, that's how it stayed. And it worked. And uh, now, as I sit here in Helios, um, I, I see some, uh, you know, encouragement for people to vote for the Hottest 100. Is From a business point of view, is it better to have won champion beer at the AIBA or, you know, had a top 10 finish in the Hottest 100, do you think? Because uh, I, I certainly see a lot more people bragging about a top 10 finish in the Hottest 100 than you do about winning a, a gold or a trophy at the AIBA is almost... Yeah, I need to choose my words carefully here, I guess. But, um, yeah, we I never got top 10. Uh, Copycat went to 16 that, that year um, and then slowly started working its way out. But, um, oh, look, for me, it's it's trophies. You know, trophies is a peer judged. Um, you know, you can't you can't argue. I mean, you know, I got feedback this year that, that I shook my head at and scratched my head. But, you know, I've judged enough now statewide and nationwide and... You know, I know when we all sit down and judge those and we give out those medals or no medals, we that's that's group consensus. So mm. um, you can't really knock medals and trophies. Um, you know, again, I hope I don't upset too many people here, but Gabs is a popularity contest. Uh, absolutely. Distribution I, I, I don't counts think for that, everything. Yeah, um, and hype. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, and don't get me wrong, a lot of the beers that have been winning it for a long time certainly deserve to be there. You know, the, the Ferrells and Stone and Woods and the Black Ops and all those guys, um, Richard at Bent Spoke, um, you know, all those guys certainly deserve their accolades for sure. But um, we, we're we probably wasting our time even trying, to be honest. Um, you know, made 60,000 litres of beer this year. You know, we're hardly in every venue in, in Brisbane. So yep. we're, we're, we're nuts. Yeah. Um, you've got to be in it to win it. But, it's, um, it's nice to feature, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, and we've got a few beers that obviously we want to promote and that I'm particularly proud of this year. But yeah, to me, it's it's um, it's certainly on the on the judging stage. That's 
Yeah, and it's yeah, and we, we did all right this year, or last year, sorry. Um, I've had a pretty lean couple of years since yeah, 2017, 18 and 19 really. I haven't had a lot of bling to, yep. to crow about, but um, yeah, we had a good result at the Indies last year, so that was nice. Awesome. Now, we are well into the chat, so yep. we probably should talk about your current brewery. Yes, yeah, I was um, so I, 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 um, I feel bad about skipping over your, your time at MASH, but what was it that lured you, you know, not just to a new brewery, but to the other side of the continent? A lot, really. Um, you know, it hasn't come without its sacrifices. It's, um, you know, like I say, Mash got quite brutal as well. You know, again, I was quite hard on myself and hard on my boys as well. And, yeah, and it was becoming hard to sustain, really. I kept on losing good bodies. Um, I wasn't getting any younger. Um, and I was losing my passion again, like I did in the latter years for Gage for what I was doing, and, and I didn't want to lose that. So I had, basically, long story short, I had a deep... A deep internal convo, what do I want to do, where do I want to go, what do I, and the, the answer kept coming back the same, I want to be a head brewer and a small brewery, ideally running it myself or with someone on offside or so. And, you know, in a lot of the places, you know, again, we we're only talking a couple of years ago, there's a lot of places springing up, so, mm. and they were either owner-operated or they had a mate that that knew how to brew that was going to get a gig there, so I thought I was probably going to have to, you know, I spoke to my kids who were in their, their mid-teens and are still back in WA, but... Um, yeah, I spoke to him about it and said, look, I'm probably going to have to cast the net nationwide now. I had a reputation that I could, I was pretty confident I was going to be able to get something pretty quickly. But So, yeah, yeah, no, yeah. so you know, Scott wrote up a good advertisement, uh, ignored me for a bit. It took a week and a half, <laughs> two weeks to get, to get an answer back from him, but I see now that's standard practice. But, yeah, well, it's um, tough running a business yeah, when you do everything. Yeah, it is. But, um, and no doubt you saw it on on Bruce News jobs. Yeah, yes, that's, that's <laughs> definitely where we saw it, Matt. Um, yeah, and got my um, application in there. But, you know, he, he spoke, he wrote a good ad. Um, you know, Brisbane is, is up and about. You know, it's one of the more exciting regions. You know, Perth has been around for a long time. Obviously, Melbourne, I don't want to, I ride a bike, so I don't want to go ride a bike in Melbourne or Sydney. And, um, and Tassie was too cold, so Brisbane was a very good option. Um, yeah, brand new premier kit. Um, Lockie, again, good mate, just is just down the road. So, you know, I had local people on the ground if I needed help. Um, yeah, I've never started up a brand new brewery, never walked into an empty building um, and put a brewery together and, and, and commissioned it, obviously, so that was massive for me Were you well. involved in planning the brewery or no, had no. Scott already... Because it, 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 it's... It, it, I guess we've got to be a little bit careful here, but it, <laughs> it, it, it's one of the things that I'm often asked, um, just you know, from a background, people that are wanting to start a brewery but then hire a brewer, you know, they, they ask for advice, and my advice is always, well, get your brewer on board first. Yes, it's a cost, but they the pots and pans that they're going to be using yep um how was it walking not into using it? too many words but my head's moving a little bit yeah, in yeah. one direction or the other yeah. but uh, yeah yeah i mean would you anyone that's listening that's planning a brewery you know recommend that they get their brewer on board to work with them on designing the brewery absolutely absolutely i mean we've got a great kit here don't get me wrong it's one of the smartest kits i've worked on um and scott's really tweaked it out with some very yeah. interesting efficiencies yeah um, absolutely i mean the solar is is something that i can't extrapolate on a lot i don't know a lot of the ins and outs of it but um and the solar thermal obviously is one of the big things that we've got here running for us but um yeah i, I certainly would have done things differently but he has done a very good job i just yeah it's, it's probably just a size issue for me i probably would have cut down you know knowing yep. knowing what i've come from and knowing what clubs like this will will move through in, in terms of leaderage we weren't looking at potentially going wholesale which again is another reason why i'm here and um we didn't want to be wholesale big because you know that's a slippery slippery slope mm. and um i didn't want to come here and, and before years in again and go all right cool well how do we you know make our next million liters um so yeah so he's, he's certainly done a good job he's done a great job but yeah i probably would have um downsized it a lot and put in, in a few more tanks to be honest um yeah 
what was it like coming to a brewery that, you know, again, I, I remember Scott when he was still an environmental engineer before yep. he, uh, he, when he it was just a dream. But you started here with a new um, owner um, and a blank slate, you know, clear piece of paper. Um, how much say did you have over the beers that you um, produced from day one? Uh, a core range, not much. I made a couple of little tweaks, but Scott, again, is a home brewer and he runs a brewery because mm. he loves his beer and loves to brew as well. So, um, you know, he already had his core range that obviously he wanted to see. You know, obviously I've alluded to the pride I have when I see my beers out in the public, so he obviously wanted that as well. So, you know, the core range is um, is his. You know, I've made some modifications to some, but and then I just do all our specialty work, so which is getting bigger and bigger. I'm always fascinated by the idea of, you know, I think it was um, Douglas Eisenhower, um, uh, General Eisenhower, who sort of said, you know, plan to no good once the battle starts, but you still need to plan, you know, because you're nothing without a plan. And, yep. uh, you know, how was it when you, you know, have an owner who's got an idea of the core range that he wants and then suddenly you open, because it's ultimately up to the public, yep. not not the owner. Have, have they changed much or has there been much of tweaking? No, not really. Um no, not really, to be honest. Um, and that's, you know, a few years down the track now, we're starting to build a reputation based on our, almost on our core range, you know. We're very, very died in the wall. Is that the, the right words? Died yeah. in the wall about what we do, you know. Um, I'm very outspoken on where the industry's going at the moment. I'm one of the few people that seems to get on my high horse and really carry on like a pork chop about it. Um, uh, You'll fit in. <laughs> you, you, you fit in with Bruce News. Um, and, and Scott's worse than me. So, you know, if it was up to him, we probably wouldn't be doing any of our hazy range or New England's or anything like that. So, um, but we still need to make a dollar. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. You know, there's no point in making a whole, you know, um, range of beers that we love that the public won't sell. So sometimes we've got to sell our soul a little bit, but we, we're pretty adamant that we will do it on our terms um, and go out to a product that suits my skill set and um, that I can do well and that we'll be proud of collectively. So, um, yeah, you do, you do need to have a plan, and we, we did have one, we still have one, uh, a pretty solid one to stick to our guns. But at the same time, as you say, you know, the, the market's changed, and, I, you know, I, I, on the podcast we make a lot of fun of the hazies and, like, some of the, um, the, the really over-the-top yep. haze that look like mango juice and can't hold a head. And, but at the same time, there is undoubtedly a, a market for it, and, you know, ultimately we drink beer for the pleasure it gives us, and we get that pleasure from not just having a perfect pilsner but also just the experience of having you know a, a mango juice looking hazy thing and if that gives us pleasure that beer has done its job but yep how hard is it to you know have have an approach to brewing but then also factor in what the market is demanding or you know the other thing a lot of people say and this is a very complex question but i'll, I'll just sort of get you to comment and you know run with uh, whatever you you pull out of it but um <laughs> you know other people say well stick to your lane you know don't go looking at what other people are doing know what your market is and, and stick to it and there's so many contradictory views in in there yeah look we've uh, let me know if i get off track here but no, um no we we certainly stay the course, you know, like I said a minute ago, you know, if we do move out, you know, we've got a balloon of ice on tap now, but it's quite, um, it's unfortunate you in dry January, it's, I would have liked to have shown you that, but... Um, I can have a little sip. And, and as we spoke before, you know, brewers love to show off their work as well, so I'm certainly very proud of a lot of what we do, but um, yeah, you know, we didn't, we didn't go down the, um, you know, most people these days probably, 
interpretable in a vice as a, a fruited kettle sour, uh, which is probably not a lot of... Uh, mine might not be terribly indicative of, of how it historically started either, but, um, you know, we know we need to plan that segment. So, you know, I did a bit of reading on style and, you know, produced a beer that I think has done the job and will be um, readily accepted by the public. So, um, and the same with the hazies, you know, we have a lot of... We've, we've got such great customers here, you know, it's... Um, and I got caught up here last Thursday before I went away for um, for the weekend. And um, when customers are here, I'd, sometimes it's me getting out of here is a bit more long-winded than a John Farnham farewell <laughs> concert <laughs> round. But, um, you know, I sat and had a beer with, with, um, with one of our regulators and another one rocked up and I had a beer with them and then some other people turned up. And then it's just, you know, we've got such great regulars here, but... Um, there's still quite a small section of the market um, mm. and we need to appeal to probably slightly dem- different demographics and, you know, hence why, um, you know, from, from next week we'll have essentially three hazies or interpretations of that hazy style. You know, we get a lot of them and go, well, oh, Charlie, you know, I don't really like that New England or that hazy crap or, and I was like, well, look, just have a look at it. Um, have a look, see what you think. I do things a little bit differently and they go, oh, oh, that's a bit different than all the other ones I've had. And it's like, well... And again, I'm certainly not disrespecting other brewers. I'm certainly not saying I'm, I'm all that. Um, but, you know, I brew my beers with balance and, you know, my hazies are probably a little bit more bittered than others, but they're certainly bittered for balance. And But it's interesting you say that, and, and, I, and, and I, you know, I'm fully conscious that my personal preference isn't the right way, is, isn't, shouldn't be an industry standard. But I look at it, you know, you, you mentioned uh, Berliner Weiss, for example, and it's a style that has... Um, survived yep. and because I, to, to, to my way of thinking it's a lower alcohol beer that still has a lot of flavour and particularly in a climate like Brisbane yep. a fruited sour has it just it, 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 it ticks so many boxes but then I start to you know, look at when brewers are looking for the extreme, like the IBU wars in the early 2000s or the mid-2000s, when <laughs> yep. you know, if a 60 IBU IPA was good, then a 100 IBU beer would be better. And be it, better it, it, it came down to brewers trying to outdo each other. Yep. Um, and then, you know, so sour has become a thing, a metric that, well, if a little bit of sour is good, um, you know, we want to take people's teeth off. And then haze as well. Like, I, I absolutely see not everyone likes the bitterness in an IPA, but if you can give them the hop flavour that is one of the big appeals of modern craft beer without that bitterness, and the, the beer comes with a bit of haze because of the technique for doing that, then yep. what is there to dislike? What is there to complain about? But again, you, you if end If it's not up, hazy enough, that's something to, to complain about, I've found. Um. Yeah, well, but that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. It's, it, yep. Haze is then becomes a metric that is, you know, and I, this is where I get myself into trouble. Um, you don't need a good palate to identify a ridiculously sour beer. You don't need a sophisticated palate to recognise a beer that is that looks like mango juice, um, just as you didn't need a good palate to notice the, the you know, 1,000 IBU you beer. Had you just had your tongue ripped off by, yeah. by an IPA. Um, yep. And, and it, 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 it lets... You know, it, Letters to uh, cheers at brewsnews.com.au if, if you disagree with this perception. <laughs> but there, there is a, like a... Um, an element of some of that uh, attention-seeking or things that is targeting the obvious, you know, and, and people who have immature palates but want to be part of, want to feel like they're in a sophisticated club. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you don't have to agree because I don't no, want you no, to be targeted. No, I'm just trying, like to, trying to work out what words I should use. But, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, look, I'm all for... Um, I sent a picture of a beer to one of my mates, Aaron, an ex-gauge guy, the other day, and he... And 
uh, his, his response was quite funny, but it's like, well, you know, I'm all for innovation. I'm all for pushing the boundaries. I'm all for, for growing and moving and, and morphing in an industry. But I think we're so far past the line now, it's not even funny. And I was saying to uh, one of the students that came through from TAFE the other week, um, said, you know, look, look at all these beers. And granted, we've got a lot to, to again, um, you know, the modern Berlinovice, if it wasn't for that, or these, these kettle sour Berlinovice um, per se, you know, again, it's another, it's another style that we could kill off, um, you know, if, if they weren't coming back. You know, mm. if, they, if they weren't around in the market now, then I wouldn't have made one because mm. no one would drink one. You can't make a wheat beer. You can't make golden ale anymore. You can't make a brown ale. You can't make an amber ale. You know, you can make all those you, you beers, can't but you make just a can't call them that. Yeah, no, you can't. And I've, I've had to bin one as well, you know, 12 kegs into 18. So well, people just don't want it. Um, <laughs> I would have bought yeah. three of them. <laughs> um, but we, we need to recognise that. And, and, and I said to, to Phil, you know, I said, look, I've got a Yakima Chief book over there. You know, fruit, fruited beers are big these days. If you can't build a fruit element out of that, you're not trying hard enough. And we've been pressing the hop industry so hard for the last 20 years. We want more, we want more, we want more, we want more. And now, puree. Puree and fruit. So it's like, well, hang on. We asked to innovate, the hop growers have innovated, and now we're stepping away from that innovation to a fair degree because puree is the next big thing. So it's like, well, cheap wins are great. Um, and I've certainly, I've certainly played with puree. Um, I'm not proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but look, and, and we have to do a little bit. The first issue of Dionysus came out. Had, um, we made a mango, a blood orange and a blood orange and mango one. Um, you know, that was our first gold medal winner, but I didn't enter the fruited virgin because if I would have meddled with that I would have copped so much shit <laughs> and I probably wouldn't have been able to, I wouldn't have been able to sleep at night to be honest either but but that created a lot of hype and now Dionysus is this massive hype beer and we don't release it with fruit anymore and nobody questions it okay so it was a very tactical release and you know the Blinovice we made a little mango Blinovice version because I had some puree sitting in the cupboard from some samples and not the cupboard refrigerated of course refrigerator cupboard and um yeah, and sometimes you just got to Sell your soul a little bit, um, dangle a carrot. Um, yeah, be yeah. So, so we certainly play in that game, but we like to play in on our own terms. You know, I can be, I could be classed as hypocritical to a little bit, um, but I like to generally sit and watch styles um, evolve for a couple of years. Um, you know, I brew black IPAs. Obviously, we've got a pretty solid one here seasonally. I, I brew a lot of New England style IPAs, pales. But you know, to me, if they've got merits as a beer. No, 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 no. I, I, I was just about to say, that's was. a much better way of uh, saying it than me sort of putting it down. But th- there is an element of infantilising um, styles by, you know, uh, you, you, you've, you've been much more eloquent than I would. And, 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 and <laughs> well, no, only because I'm, on, I'm, only cause I'm <laughs> on record. Uh, and I'm generally doesn't, you know, I've got to be careful I don't come across the dick. But I'm, I'm very passionate <laughs> about brewing history and style and tradition. And I think um, it, this will be a good one for you. I, I think... Our industry is essentially turning itself into a laughing stock. Is 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 probably if you want me to put something out there, that's I think we're turning ourselves into a joke happily um, for cheap sales. I think um, you know I can hear the people going out there now. Give Charlie a tissue to wipe his tears with. Um, or or, you know, or, or you're just an old man, which is again my my big fear yeah. is like you end up being that old person. You know, back in my day when we made beer properly, um, kind yeah, of but, thing. But, but you make an IPA today with you know I've got a little um, New England style beer in tank now with Sanbrun. You know, make an IPA with that today. You're going to make an innovative beer. Um, you know, some of these continuously hot beers. You know, the way that we we're turning over hop. I mean, obviously I'm leaning on hop a lot here, but um, oak. Heaven forbid, you know, I've made some amazing beers on oak. 
um, smoke. You know, you can, you can. The options are endless of the flavour profiles you can create as a brewer. You know, and and what better? We're sport. You know, we're in a golden age as far as you know. You can hear me getting on my pedestal now. But no, that's great. We're in a we're in a golden age as brewers. You know, we've got. Um, We've got Stuart Whitecross at Voyager Malts producing some amazing malt out of there. Obviously, the Gladfield guys over the ditch in New Zealand are producing some amazing malts. Um, the Bintani crew, you know, I love the Bintani family to death and, you know, are, are, are coming, you know, giving us everything we could possibly want. And, you know, the maltsters, the hop growers, they're always continuing to innovate and give us new releases. And it's like, well, what more can we want as brewers? You know, you can, you know, we talk about malt, we talk about hops. Um, you know, and the endless results, the endless profiles you can make from those two, just with, you know, a little bit of water chemistry and bitterness. Um, we haven't even gone into yeast yet. Mm. We haven't even gone into the, the, the tens and dozens of styles of yeast out there that we can, uh, that we can play with and, and produce all these more amazing different flavour profiles from. So I just don't quite... I don't get it. I don't, I don't get why we're going the way we're going. I know we... we and um. Gabs has got a lot to do with that, I think. You know, the first big Gabs, latest and greatest expression session. Um, you know, raspberry and vanilla or whatever, ice cream beers. And, you know, and that's where it all kicked off, I believe. And, um, you know, not, not dissing Gabs at all. I think they've done great Although things. it's a worldwide trend and, you know, and that's where, like, has Gabs capitalised on, oh, on on something yeah. that was going on elsewhere? And, you know, not, not defending Gabs, but, um, you know, it's happening in America, it's happening in the UK, it's, you know, worldwide where it's... Uh, but it's that one-upsmanship. That's where I'm yeah. leading to with this. I'm not, not sliding off um, Gabs as well, but yeah. um, or, or, or at all. But, you know, it's like, oh, well, if they've done this, you know, I need to do that. Well, if they've done this, then I need to do that. And then all of a sudden, 80% of us, 90% of us are doing all that. And it's like, well, you know, you need to be, you need a special skill set to do that and do it well. Um, and I'm not a lot. And you get all these new brewers coming in these days as well. And I could be wrong or I might not be on this, but, you know, that don't even really know their bread and butter beers. Yeah, they're trying to, you know, create this kettle soured rhubarb lactose. I, my IPA doesn't mean anything anymore. I've given up. <laughs> yeah, it means it's got hops in Call it IPA soon. Yeah. So, who cares? You know, it's, um, it's just going to sell a beer. So we'll just call everything IPA. Actually, you raise a good point because, like, again, not having a go at some young brewers who are making some very good beers that there is a very solid market for. But I do wonder what they're going to do when the fashion moves on because there is such a fashionable element going back to your point I I see a lot of the beers that are being created now that are very popular um, but I see that they're fashion more than they are substance and um, you know there'll always be a place for a Berliner Weiss that's well balanced and let's sort of well made. So. Well, let's hope so. And there'll yeah. always be a place for a good IPA and yep. a pale ale and a, a good lager. But once the fashion rolls on, and you know, are, are these younger brewers schooled in some of the classic styles? That if it, the pendulum does swing back. Yeah, well, I hope so. I mean, it's been talked about for years now. Again, you'd be have your finger on your pulse as much as anyone now that you know lager's coming back, lager's coming back, and um, but you know, I, never I, does, I've but come to believe that it's actually you know people like me hoping as opposed to a, like it's not a it's not a crystal ball reading it's not a stargazing it is actually us just hoping that it comes back without any real evidence for it because uh, you know the number of people who are talking about pilsners and yet every brewer is dropping their pilsner in favor of a lighter you know um hellas style lager yep yeah it's um 
Yeah, a, a, a cracking pilsner, I think. You know, when we made one here, it was quite firmly bitter. I think it's, it took them by surprise a little bit. Again, because they associate lager with, you know, a given style of beer that's that's, that's worldwide. And, you know, and a, and a classic, you know, firm, clean, crisp pilsner is probably not a softly bittered, uh, tetra-hopped um, modern-day lager. So it can catch them out on what their interpretations is and, and we find here a lot with a lot of our patrons as well they go oh, i don't really like beer and it's like because they're they're associating that with what is a small window but obviously you know a massive percentage of the market and it's like well you know we quite often will get people that will and i'm sure a lot of breweries do as well but you know scott's very good at it we'll get them to, yeah, drinking a belgian double mm. or um zeus yep. or um or Hades, a stout or something, you know, they'll go, oh, I didn't, okay. Um. The one thing I worry about this conversation, and again, because we obviously have a similar view, but then also we're, you know, for want of a better word, middle-aged white blokes. <laughs> um, and, you know, we, we do want beer to be more reflective of a much wider community. Um, and there does seem to be a lot of people who are coming to beer um, for some of these things. And yep. Is there a risk that we're just old and stale? <laughs> you know, d- 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 does that ever cross your mind? And well, actually, <laughs> we, we need to cater to an audience and give them the beers that they want. Um, yes, it does run through my head. I don't believe it. Uh, again, look at the the raw materials we can access these days. Mm. Um, Again, if you can't create amazing beers and amazing flavour profiles and that, you're not having a good go. You're not even having a go. Well, it was certainly um, malt, wood, hops and yeast were the T-shirts that sparked yeah, the, yeah. the craft beer revolution. Imagine if we made a T-shirt like that now. I'd need two columns, oh, maybe we're, three. We're, we've, um, we've actually got, uh, oh, we've really? made a joke, one for seltzer. I'll yeah, show you okay. off, yeah, nice. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, again, you can, yeah, the scope's so big. But, um, but yeah, no, we, we can still innovate. There's still plenty of scope for... Um, you know, because awards are still awards, you know, you've still got a Brutus-style guidelines, mm. even though they're expanding a lot. And I had my issues um, at one of the awards last year, or I think it was, you know, because there was an Australian, uh, classic Australian pale, there was an, obviously the Cooper style, but there was an Australian, there was a, a New World pale, there was a, a US pale, and there might have even been something else. And it's like, well, we were dissing beers, you know, we couldn't gold medal a beer because it's, you know, it was entering Australian, but it was probably a classic US. So, man, it's still a pale ale. Still an amazing beer. Still exceptionally well balanced, but now we haven't been able to meddle this beer because the style guidelines are getting so broad. So, you know, Matt Kierkegaard's put on his, you know, his, his amazing pale. He's, he's looked at five different categories and he mm. thought he pinned the right one. And now he's going away with the bronze, going, oh, sorry, wrong class, mate. Yeah. <laughs> but it's still not a cracking pale ale. Yeah. And this well, is getting, it's no. getting worse. Mate, this has opened a whole. This has opened a door that we could sort of uh, disappear down another, another hallway, and I've just realized we're coming up to it now. Oh, yep. We haven't even talked about dry January and things. So, unfortunately, it's it's a challenge with trying to sum up twenty years of uh, brewing yeah. knowledge and passion in a one-hour interview. But we'll absolutely have to get you back yeah, um, cool. for 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 another chat because there's a whole lot of stuff that we uh, we haven't touched on. But uh, Charlie Hodgson, uh, thank you very much for joining for, for this fascinating conversation. I, I, there's so many quotes. Uh, lines from this chat and uh, you know, th- th- thank you for uh, you know being so unfiltered in the it- it- it's been a great chat no worries can I just have a quick couple of words of course and just one thing obviously again you know my opinions are only my opinions you know it's um, same here and, and, and that's why you know we, we couch it the way that we do yep I'm not certainly not trying to offend anyone or saying my way is the right way or my beers my New England IPAs are better than anyone else's New England IPAs I just brew them how I perceive yep uh, they, they work and how I would want them to sell and what our customers will react to 
basically. But um, obviously Helios Brewing haven't touched a whole lot. Of, you know, we've sort of broadbanded it a lot. But um, you know, a nice little brewery in the south side uh, of Brisbane. We are starting to move our product around now. It's probably never going to be big distribution. Um, it's not part of what we want to do. We want to be the, the fantastic corner pub in the burbs. Um, that's that's got good brand awareness and distribution. So come and check us out. You will see a nice spread of traditional. Um, I think you'll get a sense of what, yeah, what what you can expect yeah. uh, when you come to Hillis. And it is a beautiful little brew pub. Um, yeah. I was certainly going to uh, talk about some of this in the uh, intro and outro scene. We didn't talk much about it, but yeah. you know, keep but, going. Yeah, Tell us. Come, yeah. and, um, come and chase us up. Um, if we're not in your local, um, what's the Cooper saying? If you're, we're not in your local, move. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, ask for us because we do. Um, we would like to get out there a little bit more. Um, obviously, where our our preferences to, to brew are hampers our ability to be you know in the fashionable bars and uh, and, and tap points because obviously not everyone's looking for what we make but um yeah come and check us out you know we make a solid beer we've had a great last 12 months um we've meddled nicely and i think greater brisbane is is starting to realize that we're capable when they see the helios brand now they know they're going to get a rock solid product and, and one uh, of the that, things that we that didn't get a chance no to zones. touch on we, we touched on it very briefly talking about scott whose background is environmental yep. science and this is arguably the most over-engineered environmental brewery in the country in terms of its efficiencies and and, and what he's tried to do with making it environmentally friendly with with those sorts of credentials being the reason people choose uh, breweries we've certainly written about it on, on the website in the yep. past uh, talking about it so I'll, I'll link to some Another of that background. Another beer is a discussion for the old boy. Yeah absolutely <laughs> well I, I think we'll get you both on and yeah. uh, have a panel discussion to talk a little bit about it. Yeah cool but thanks very much for having us um, love what you do for the industry and what you have done for a long time so yeah yeah Truly humbled to be on the uh, oh, mate, I'm humbled. News, a discussion. So thanks, Matt, very well, much. I appreciate it. We'll, we'll finish this uh, mutual appreciation society uh, now. But that, Charlie Hodgson, <laughs> thank you very much for joining us for this conversation. Cheers, mate. Thank you. And that was Charlie Hodgson. Let us know what you think about the conversation by joining our Facebook group or emailing producer at bruisenews.com.au. We'd love to see what you think about some of the things that we touched on. Charlie will receive one of our Yeti Rambler mugs, perfect for keeping his hazies cold. And Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Crime Malt, who we are thrilled to announce are back for supporting us for another year of conversations. With over 25 years in the field and almost 10 years supporting us, Crime Malt is dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and our premium podcasting partner. And Crime Malt is proud to sponsor this conversation and the Radio Brews News Channel.